The year was 1983. It was the second year in a row where there was a Canadian rat movie. In 1982, we had Deadly Eyes. In 1983, we had Of Unknown Origin. It marked the North American debut of George P. Cosmatos, R.I.P., father of filmmaker Panos Cosmatos, director of Mandy and Beyond the Black Rainbow. George P. Cosmatos, uh, he got his film start in Italy and uh, he moved on to Britain and then eventually to North America with uh, Of Unknown Origin. Of Unknown Origin was uh, executive produced by uh, exploitation veteran Pierre David, who uh, produced many of the early David Cronenberg movies and uh, slashers like Visiting Hours. And speaking of Visiting Hours, uh, the screenwriter of that movie was the screenwriter of Unknown Unknown Origin. Uh, Of Unknown Origin stars uh, Peter Weller, and it's uh, the supporting cast. It's a murderer's row of uh, veteran Canadian actors. Uh, It was marked the film debut of Newfoundland's Shannon Tweed. Hey, hey. Uh, Co-starring Cynthia Dale's older sister, Jennifer Dale. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kenneth Welsh, who's best known as playing Wyndham Earl on Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. Uh, Louis Del Grande, who you may know of as the guy whose head explodes at the beginning of Scanners. And uh, Maury Chaikin. Oh, good old Maury Chaikin. Yep. Now, um... Of Unknown Origin, it was a flop despite uh, getting distribution from Warner Brothers, so it got a full North American release. It was on a budget of uh, $4 million, uh, but it only grossed uh, $1.08 million in U.S. dollars, but it did not derail George P. Cosmatos' career at all because he later went on to direct Rambo First Blood Part Two, Cobra, and Tombstone. Mm-hmm. It's not so easy to do these intros, is it, Phil? No. <laughs> and with that yeah, being there's s- very little information about this movie. And with that being said, tonight on the podcast, we are doing Of Unknown Origin. It's Death by Video! Woo! Here's a movie that you never seen. The map of some ninjas or a crazy death machine. There'll be smiles. There'll be tears. You want your movie for about 8 billion years, it's time for death by video. Time for death by video. And now the show will begin. I'm Kit. I'm Phil. And I'm Graham saying welcome back to another episode of Merry Movie Mayhem. As you heard before, our own Phil picked the movie tonight of Unknown Origin, the Peter Weller rat movie. Uh, do you have any more info on the movie before we start getting into what we've seen in the last week? Not really. Um, it's a cult film. Uh, the only known review of it online from the time of release was it was trashed by Vincent Canby, who only had nice things to say about Peter Weller's performance. But it does have a cult following. It did get a, a 2K uh, restoration by Scream Factory, the imprint of Shout Factory. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, it was a it's a favorite of Steve's one of Stephen King's favorite horror movies and John Waters did curate it as part of his it was a spin-off of his retrospective some years back at the Lincoln Center. He programmed eight movies that he wish he made and his blurb the only thing he said about the movie as part of the blurb to advertise people going to see it was the best rat movie ever. Period. End of discussion. Ooh, I, I'm going to throw a little shade. I prefer Deadly Eyes. Okay, you've seen of no, no, no I've no, seen no. both. Oh, really? Okay. Um, yeah, I like both. I like both. Okay. But Deadly Eyes. blind. Yeah, just the, just the Canadian-ness of Deadly Eyes, like the Toronto-ness. <laughs> it's got Lisa Lingua. Any movie yeah. with Lisa Lingua yeah. on it instantly, like, is great. Um, and it's got some great footage from the classic. I think it was either the Regent or the Mount Pleasant Theater. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, it was directed by, uh, what's his name, Krauss? Robert, Richard Krauss? The... Yeah, no, Richard Krauss is the film critic. Yeah, sorry. So Robert Klaus, director yes. of Enter the Dragon and Jim Cotta. Yeah, because it was also uh, co-produced by Golden Harvest. But we're talking about <laughs> Of Unknown Origin. I should also add, um, mm-hmm. both movies do play New York. So Of, Un- of Deadly Eyes is, of course, Toronto as New York. But, yeah. Uh, of unknown origin, it's Montreal. It's Montreal, 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 Montreal yeah. as, uh, 
as New York, New York. which does a, I'm going to say a less convincing job. Oh, for sure. <laughs> um, but I mean, like Deadly Eyes is through and I'm through. I'm just a assuming because Montreal looks nothing like New York. Yeah, but like Deadly Eyes through and through is a Toronto film uh, of unknown origin because they do disguise. Like they actually, I mean, the other thing too is that like Montreal doesn't really have any landmarks, so it's kind of mm-hmm. like easier to be unnamed portion of New York City. Um, so unless you count Olympic Stadium, which nobody does, <laughs> nobody cares about the that. The Biodome. Oh yeah. What else does Montreal have? Nothing. Schwartz's. Schwartz's. Schwartz's is great. It's got, it's got the mountain. Sure. It's got PET Airport. That's about it, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Again, Quebec coming up short. Yeah. Um, anyways, <laughs> but without further ado, we're going to get into Of Unknown Origin and come back to talk about it after we're done. We'll be right back. See you then. If you're looking for more horror outside of the mainstream, look no further than Unsung Horrors, a podcast about underseen horror movies. I'm Lance. And I'm Erica. Every other week, we'll cover a horror movie with fewer than 1,000 views on Letterboxd. We'll even give you double feature recommendations to pair with the movies we discuss. From gothic to shot on video, from slashers to comedies, from giallo to j-horror, we'll cover all the subgenres. So join us as we unearth these hidden gems of horror. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, all at Unsung Horrors, available wherever you listen to podcasts. And that was of unknown origin, the classic Canadian rat movie. Yep, uh, rat exploitation. Mm-hmm. Rat exploitation means connect exploitation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh yeah, with all the Canadian players, Maury Chaikin, that guy from Scanners, the guy who played Windermuro, the guy from Class of 1984, and uh, Siege and uh, Twin Peaks as well. I'm guessing. Not I to think mentioned Shannon Tweed and yes. uh, Jennifer Her film debut. Yep. Jennifer Dale. Yep. Some lovely, lovely ladies. Um, I think it was Kit that said uh, David Lynch must have been a fan of this movie because like a bunch of his actors for Twin Peaks came out of it. Well, just uh, well, you're the one who said uh, David Lynch must have been a fan, but I pointed out that uh, the one guy I think who's like uh, the exterminator. He he. When just, he finally he... does get the exterminator, that's uh, yeah. an old uh, Jacques. Jacques uh, Renault. Jacques Renault from Twin Peaks. I think his name was Keith something. Uh, what was it? Ah, we should be way more, way more prepared than this. We do, we do a lot of research for the hey, podcast. In the words of Bobby Briggs, Jacques, you crazy Canadian. <laughs> I, I modified it a bit, but yeah. Who, uh, who, who dies in the in the in the first um, season, but then is revived mysteriously in the. Isn't he like his brother? Third, yeah, but it's like it's it doesn't make any sense. What? It's mm-hmm. fun. It's it's not supposed to make sense. Yeah, Keith Knight uh, plays the character known as Hardware because he operates out of a hardware store. Um, he, I guess he plays Jacques Renault, but I, I know him best from Class of 1984. Um, Another Canadian co-production. Yeah, he plays uh, one of the punks. Uh, he's not on the poster that's in my apartment. Um, it's a great poster. Yes, I have a, I have a framed Class of 1984 poster because uh, I love yeah, that film. There's a Lisa Langlois who is of uh, the sister exploitation fame. Yeah. Uh, Deadly, Deadly Eyes. Eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, so where do we begin? Before we were recording, we were discussing how like this movie really has a very simple plot. There is a rat in a man's house, and he does everything he can to get it out of it while his family is away on vacation. Well, you know, the, the, the there's like five different types of story. Mm-hmm. There's uh, man versus nature. There's uh, man versus man. Uh, man versus himself. Man um, versus supernatural. Man versus supernatural. Man versus technology. And then, of course, man versus rat. Yes, exactly. Which could be called man versus nature. I, okay. Yeah. But <laughs> this is uh, man v. rat. Um, and that is the plot of the film. Thanks for yeah. uh, this has been Death by Video. Thanks for coming around, folks. <laughs> All right. R.I.P. Norm MacDonald. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, this is a very economical 88 minutes. Mm. There are no subplots. There's no, yeah. like, backstory yeah. or exposition. It's... And as... Peter Weller is in literally every scene in this movie. Mm-hmm. Except for the ones with uh, uh, Shannon Tweed and the, the young boy that plays his son, Pete. But, but yeah, that's, in those scenes, you know, They're she's, like, phone. talking on the phone. So, like... But otherwise, you know, he's on the other side of the phone, so... Yeah. Uh, there, there's the one scene with Jennifer Dale who's trying to save his ass because for a while, Peter Weller is like, uh, he tells his boss, I've got a problem at home and I'm going to fix it. Yeah. And his boss assumes it's a problem with his <laughs> wife, but 
He just could say, like, listen, I have a very large, very angry rat in my house, and it's ruining my life. I need to go take care of it. But he doesn't. Um, he he gets owned by this rat for so long, though. Yeah. But, it, it, but, I mean, like, it does become transparent, like, once his briefcase explodes and it's full of uh, rat, rat literature. Yeah. I know he makes a, a trip to the li- public library, and he does his daily... He, Reads articles. Uh, what are the, What is it called? Rat the lapdog uh, of the yeah, devil. Yeah, he gets like some Time article or some uh, McLean's article. Uh, I guess it'd be Times because it's supposed to be set yeah. in New York. Or National uh, it's Geographic. It's called the Rat Lapdog of the Devil. Which, to be fair, accurate. I I, I make no bones about it. I hate rats. Like when <laughs> I hear someone has a pet rat, I'm just like, what is wrong with you? Why did you invite that disease-infested <laughs> vermin into your house willingly? You know, I don't understand it. I don't like it. Like they've got that weird skin tail with like just like fleshy tail just and because this is 1983 you know he's going through to like microfiche documents and Mm -hmm. he's watching nfb documentaries uh, on a uh switch dial uh television Mm -hmm. oh god the the early 80s stuff in this film is great well well let's uh let's let's get into it so the the film starts it's him and his uh beautiful uh, 25 year old wife uh she wasn't playing 25 i think she was (laughs) playing older that's the the mother of a young boy who's about five years old so it could be yeah it it, could have gotten married when she was young which was at the time not unheard of yeah yeah it's a little bit more odd now to be like oh you had a kid at 20 and you that's crazy you haven't even started your life yet. Yeah, yeah exactly. Life begins at 40, folks. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we're introduced to that. The the kid is a cute little moppet, like, going through the all of the, uh, uh, what is it, cereal boxes in his house trying to find the prize to take with him on this family trip. Making a terrible mess. In yeah. fact, it's probably the little moppet's fault that there's rats in the first place. All the loose food? All the loose food. Sure. Okay. Uh, so... <laughs> Shannon. Nobody's keeping mm-hmm. an eye on the kid with this food. Like yeah. he's mixing like special K and sugar and like some sugary cereal that mm-hmm. you can't find in Canada. Yeah, oh. he's, he's using like half and half milk though. For yeah, like, like table cream for mm-hmm. for the milk. Uh, maybe that's just how they did in the early. 80s. That's how they did it in Montreal. Yeah, because as much as this film presents itself as being New York, it is very much Montreal. Um, like you would not have been able. To, so the main character lives in this amazing. Like Beautiful what house. is it like three story house I've, that I've he seen restored the exact same type of house um, yeah. along uh, St George there mm-hmm. on the uh, U of T campus St George and Huron there are yeah. tons of these classic houses that are just like this yeah please same never never tear them down to build condos for the love of God don't do it yeah they've got that like little uh, s- circular bit mm-hmm. with like the the cone um, the cone on the top yeah yeah. Yeah, the, some the are steeple. fraternities, some are office buildings, mm-hmm. uh, some are... They used to be houses, colleges, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but in this movie, Peter Weller and his lovely young family just live in there and mm-hmm. uh, having a great time. We, we start almost immediately with a, with a bit of side boob. Um, yes, Shannon Tweed is in the shower. Yes, Shannon she, Tweed this makes is, her debut. This is coming off of her Playmate of the Year, uh, year, and this is her film debut. And quite possibly her only non-softcore role. No, she's had others. I mean, she was in. we were saying she was Detroit in Detroit Rock, Rock City. City. Yeah. I think she was in some others before the softcore thriller period of her career took off. Um, uh, let's see here. I'll just... Before playing Dave Thomas's wife in Cold Sweat. Which, which I still haven't seen. No, me neither, but I remember when it was always on Showcase. Oh, she was in Hot Dog the Movie. She was in The Surrogate, which is a, oh, an erotic thriller. Um, <laughs> uh, she was in Meatballs 3, Summer Job. She was in... Which uh, is a raunchy sex com. Yeah, unfortunately. It's a boner comedy, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, despite the fact that the original Meatballs was not... No, not at all. No. But it just gradually became... That. She was in Steel Justice. She was in the 1987 Dragnet. Uh, she was in. Oh, I forgot. She was in *Cannibal Women* in the Avocado Jungle Jungle of Death*, which is one of the few films uh, featuring Bill Maher as an actor, and it also reinforces why he's not an actor. <laughs> uh, she was in the independently independent thriller *Night Visitor*, which is not actually a, uh, a softcore uh, erotic thriller. Um, and then *In the Cold of the Night* is an erotic thriller. And then after that, basically, as soon as the '90s hits. Uh, she was in a lot of erotic thrillers until Detroit Rock City, I'm guessing. Yeah. A lot of films like with titles of like Naked Lies, Scandalous Behavior. Anyway, she just yeah. seems to, to be the the mom in this one. I don't I don't know if she yeah. has an occupation or She's, anything. She yeah, just I, kind of shepherds yeah. the, the little boy around. 
it's a very stripped down story and they, they leave the house and then uh, this leaves peter weller to go to his job which might be finance or architecture yeah. we're not sure I initially i thought it was architecture but now i think it's finance because he's talking about mergers and like stuff yes. like that because you get the impression like oh like he built the he rebuilt this house himself because it was just a restored uh brownstone mm-hmm. it's like oh he's a hot shit architect but no yeah. i guess not no, I mean, like, because, uh, like, everybody remarks, like, oh, is this real tile? Yes, it is. And uh, he redid the floors himself where he stripped them down and refinished them to their original glory from however old it was beforehand. Um, so, yeah, and then, you know, things are going okay. Uh, his, his son and his wife are visiting their grandparents at, like, some kind of, like, ski resort, it looks like. And then... We do, uh, even in the first scene when they leave mm-hmm. and he hasn't left for work yet, and then he does leave for work, we get some eerie POV shots. Yes, of a certain four-legged, disgusting animal. <laughs> um, you don't see the four-legged, disgusting animal for like at least 15 minutes or something. No, this is very much yeah. like Jaws. Yeah. The, the What I loved about this one especially is that you don't get a good look at the rat. Like, it's always kind of like seen in bits or pieces or it's very fast. And that's effective, and like the we, and a lot of that has to do with limitations. Same with yeah, Jaws; they, of course. they couldn't show the shark. Mm-hmm. They Whereas, show the but it's like, what's more effective, Jaws or Deep Blue Sea? I would say Jaws. Technically, uh, some uh, schlock like Sharknado has more shark more shark action in it than Jaws does. Uh, whereas like if they made of unknown origin now it'd be a CGI rat that'd be scampering around and you'd see it and in the end you'd, you'd get a real good look at it as uh, Peter Weller has to it kill it CGI rat at the end of the departed yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah like initially you get a lot of shots of a lot of extreme close-ups of grotesque rat feet yeah, those because like when you look at a rat up cl- rat up close, they are disgusting. Yeah, and its little mouth with its yellow little teeth, teeth. and like oh. those were all real rat shots. Yeah, too. yeah, I believe that. Like the evil eyes, the beady eyes, just like staring at Peter Weller as he's like just trying to in mangy fur. It's awful. And then so Peter Weller comes home, and he's like working, and then he goes upstairs because he hears some kind of sound. He goes up and he notices that his kitchen is now flooded, and the dishwasher is just pouring out water yeah exactly which is like the horror of being a homeowner he loaded it before he went to work you know just like oh mm-hmm. let's get these dishes done they'll be done by yep. the time i get home nope uh and his neighbor guy from uh guy from scanners uh comes by to help him like with the plumbing uh, i've seen that guy in other yeah things, it's louis del grande or louis del grande yeah, yeah he's a character actor he yeah. was the star of the canadian mystery comedy series seeing things um yeah, Louis. Do, it, but, but in but in this movie, mm-hmm. like he's wearing a green cap the entire movie, so you don't see his bald pate at all. Exactly, which is um, you see it. A, you see it a little bit. I yeah. think he like takes it off to like. He also has a really good because it's set in New York. He speaks in the entire movie in a New York accent. Yeah, and he does he, a really he good job. New York accent. Yeah. Yeah, like I'd be hard pressed to think. There's the blue collar New York accent. Yeah. He's the only one doing one. He's the super of the building next door. And so, like, he kind of tells him, he basically explains this is a rat that did this. A rat chewed through your, um, through your, uh, through the, the, the hose for the dishwasher. And Peter Weller at first is like, there can't be any rats or mice in here. Like, I redid the whole thing myself. And he's like, no, they get in anywhere. And like, there's this myth building. Like, everyone that he talks to about rats says the same thing where it's like these things have survived for centuries they are survivors they are cunning they will mess you up like what was it like the one guy said like they'll like well, jump out of the toilet eat your genitals and then scratch out your eyeballs yeah and then even um at the at the beginning here uh, buddy's like uh yeah this yeah i mean you think about the rat every time you see it this rat is thinking about you every single second of the day yeah it's like i'm, I'm sure rats are not actually that thoughtful no but. <laughs> i would say well they just they're just little hateful beings that I just can't stand. But he also tries to dissuade Peter Weller from actually hiring an exterminator, am I? Yeah, he basically says, oh, the exterminator... He says, well, what, are you going to be a girly man and hire a... Yeah, well, he did say that the exterminator will come in and, like, rip out all your your uh, your walls and cupboards and, like, do that, which is what exterminators do when they're trying to be thorough because rats can travel through walls and go through underneath well, floors. Well, guess what happens to the house? Spoiler alert. Yeah, <laughs> it gets wrecked pretty bad. Um, and so, like... I'm sure the exterminator would have done mm-hmm. a better job of getting the house Yeah. Than- destroyed so many vases mm-hmm. so they, or mirrors for that matter yeah so like he Peter Weller has some leftover mouse traps which he lays out with cheese these are the gnarliest mouse traps too these are no 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 this is the, oh, the this first is before, the early ones okay. and so the rat actually destroys the mouse traps and so then he has to go and get these like medieval torture devices that look like you, mini bear traps basically yeah which are what rat traps actually look like because rats are big vicious awful animals and you need something strong to kill them 
So uh, where do we go from there? I mean, like this is like this movie all kind of like becomes one long. Well, yeah, he he starts doing his research and then mm-hmm. he gets obsessed and then he goes to a dinner party and he does that thing you do when you you've just gotten obsessed with the topic and it's the only thing you're thinking about. He's literally talking at everybody for yes. like five minutes. Just all about rats. Rat facts. Yeah. Everybody is clearly not having it. <laughs> Nobody wants and, this. And the camera just lingers on the body language of every single dinner guest, which is just hilarious. Just to does watch. not want to be there. Yeah. Does not want to hear about. Peter Weller's fascination with rats and nobody asks why are you so into rats <laughs> they just kind of like gla- gloss over it and like he talks about how like in certain cultures they actually eat rats and it's described it's described <laughs> as being stringy chicken and yeah. everyone's eating chicken or some kind of like like game bird at this like swanky like dinner party thing and nobody's like like you'll it'll pan over to Maury Chaikin and he's yeah. like yeah rats are a serious issue rats are rats yeah, but yeah, nobody's yeah. like contributing he's just droning nobody on nobody pretends that they're enjoying any of this <laughs> no it's just it's just rat chat like it's just terrible but this is um, this this rat is going to eat away at Peter Weller's mind just like it is eating away at the drywall in his house yeah it's uh it's one of those like yeah it's Early on, he pounds on the wall with a copy of Moby Dick. Yes. And that becomes very <laughs> A hardcover apt. copy of Moby yeah, Dick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, that's the, the first illusion we get, and then we also get uh, he's watching a movie version of Old Man and the Sea at some mm-hmm. point. A good old Ernest Hemingway. Um, yeah, so there's like a lot of allusions to a lot of stuff. But um, what was I going to say? Well, like he's setting a... Mm-hmm. I remember when he's setting the rat trap, and then the camera cuts to the beady little eyes of this rat. Just hate... Yeah. Hate and malice in this mm-hmm. little rat. And it does. Oh, uh, it, it pops out of the toilet at him. Oh, yeah, because, like, well, he, what he does is, like, he goes to the hardware store to get some, like, because um, he couldn't get He actually tries to get an exterminator after his first attempt fails. And so he goes to the hardware store to get some stuff. And the hardware guy's like, of course, like, the city's an open sewer. Like, every exterminator is busy. And this, it's supposed to be New York. Yes, where it's, like. And in twenty in the year of our Lord twenty twenty one, New York still has a rat problem. Yeah, exactly. They're not pulling in Chicago by unleashing feral cats to deal Which with Which would problem. be like the most badass way to do it. You just sure, get a bunch yeah. of feral cats and they go mm-hmm. Is the harbor as robust as it used to be? Like where are these rats coming from? Oh yeah, like it's still a port city. So, but I mean, like, but the rats—they they grow and they feed and they like, ugh, it's just terrible. And ever someone idiot films one with a slice of pizza and is like, oh, pizza rat, and then it becomes yeah. like a cute meme, and everyone's like, oh, I guess rats aren't so bad. And then the rat. I don't think anybody thought pizza rat was cute. I think they're just like, yeah, that's New York. Yeah, a rat yeah, will still. It. <laughs> I hate rats. Although, like, there is a uh, one. Uh, blue check twitter person i like i follow her instagram and uh she feeds feral cats and she's gotten a lot of backlash for it on twitter but often she'll like film like some decapitated rat that the feral cats dealt with yes and she'll just look upon it with utter disgust yeah does she yeah does she have like does she put like the word next on it with like an exclamation point (laughs) no but like (laughs) she but she always notices because she just feeds them every night she just all of her instagram stories every night it's just her Her feeding like the same group of uh six feral cats nice that she's bonded with over the years well that's great are they really feral if you're bonded with them i i don't know i she's tamed them somehow Mm -hmm. yeah um, so anyways, he buys, uh, two types. I think he buys two types of, um, whatchamacallit, rat poison. The one that makes them hemorrhage and the one that makes them like water thirsty. So they have to like drink and drink and drink. And he says, and like the guy says, don't like make sure that like you got no water, no, your sinks, your taps, everything is shut down because this thing will drink and drink and drink until it bursts. And so the rat gets the poison and then it, like Peter Waller's like, oh, I guess like problem solved. And then he goes to use the washroom and he lifts up the toilet lid, and bam, rat's there. And he puts it down. And then he talks to his neighbor again. Cleet, I think his name was. That was the Louis Del Grand character. Yeah. Cool. And uh, and Cleet's like, oh, like, like, yeah, it'll bite your, your – it goes right for the genitals, and it climbs, climbs up into your body and eats your eyeballs out from the inside, which is just a horrible thing to think about. Jeez, oh. Yeah, and uh, where do we go from there, guys? Uh, I mean, the rat, um, it, it interrupts his work a little late. We get that scene where he comes into work late, uh, and then he drops his briefcase. Oh, he's got the, uh, the gloves, right? So the guy oh, was the like, you gloves. didn't get gloves? He's like, you didn't tell me anything about any goddamn gloves. And his boss is joking about the rubber gloves. and Yeah, like, something about, like, can we play too? Like, what does that even mean? Yeah, I guess that was, like, some sort of, like, S&M thing. Yeah, like, oh, are you into some kind of weird kink where you have, like, dishwashing gloves in your briefcase i don't know they're all about their key parties in there 
scummy yuppies. Um, <laughs> so then, oh, um, but he does. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's working on a project, and he has to have uh, Jennifer Dale come over to his house at one point. Yeah. So Jennifer Dale, I, I don't know if she's his assistant or his, or his secretary, secretary, probably. Or, yeah, something or a junior. Yeah, uh, probably someone. a secretary and, since the eighties, but I don't know. And Jennifer Dale definitely has uh, the. She's she's got a, a strong feeling towards Peter Weller. Let's put it that way. She's looking good, and and man, mm-hmm. this this '80s big hair. Yeah, it was um, great. I, I like that it sort of came back. Yeah, and then it faded away again. Yeah, it's true. Just like everything. She bears a vague resemblance to Leah Thompson in this era. Yeah, I can see that. A vague resemblance. Mm-hmm. I mean, like the 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 Dale sisters were like yes. the, the kings of Canadian content at sure. this time. Between yeah. Jennifer Dale and this, and of course Cynthia Dale in the amazing Heavenly they're Bodies. They're equally gorgeous women. And- yeah, yeah. yeah. And still, and still great women. Yes. Like, yes, because Cynthia Dale was in the the reboot of Street Legal a few years ago. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. By the way, if anyone can track down and see the great Canadian film Heavenly Bodies, do so. I don't think there's an HD version available. Uh, there is a restored version that's kind of okay. Contact E1. Yeah, bang on E1's door and be like, release Heavenly Bodies, even though they didn't. And by the way, we're speaking of Heavenly Bodies, not Hard Bodies. That's a no. totally different. That's a gross movie. <laughs> Heavenly Bodies. It's a soft R movie, yeah. contrary to what its title makes. Yeah, suggest, it's title. It's yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It's Heavenly Bodies with um, Cynthia Dale. But, Cynthia Dale. Oh, okay. I'm, what it's I, directed by Lawrence Dale, who plays the boss in uh, of film? Unknown Origin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. he's a character actor. But this is the only movie he directed, Heavenly Bodies, as well. Yeah, I was confused. I was thinking of Heavenly Creatures with Kate Winslet. Oh, Peter <laughs> Peter Jackson's <laughs> Heavenly Creatures. Way way different film. Um, so uh, what happens next? We basically uh, so he tries the rat poison. Then his neighbor well, says, like the rat, the rat probably has already gotten used to it, which is actually happens with with rats, like well with mice, because uh, one will develop an immunity to whatever poison you're using, and then when it breeds, it'll pass on that immunity to the next one. As I've found out through my own rodent troubles. Well, yeah, he has a uh, Cynthia, uh, Cynthia Dale, Jennifer Dale over, mm-hmm. and uh, things get a little. Yeah, the, she, that sexual kinda, tension finally makes breaks. A move, and then he kind of tells her to leave because he's a happily married family man. Like he, no, he has he kisses her. I think they both. He, he goes in for the kiss. She's putting out those pheromones, man. Anyways, sure. I'm not. Yeah, I don't, but he makes yeah, the first move. He does. He for does. Sure, he does. For sure. But I think he feels bad about it. I think he's also distracted by the rat, and he also he misses his wife. Like that's the one thing. Like throughout the film, whenever he talks to his wife, uh, he always is like, "Come back. I miss you. I need you." And you realize he does because. I, I don't know if it's some kind of like subtle commentary on the at the time contemporary 1980s male where it's like you can't do everything alone you need your better half because he does fall apart as a human being fighting this rat just completely yeah and then literally when spoiler alert uh, his wife shows up at the end of the movie he kind of just is like goes right back to being normal again despite the fact he's wearing his rat killing gear that's great yeah, um, he. he- um, so after this this kiss and stuff, and uh, mm-hmm. he sees he sees uh, Jennifer Dale out, and he kind of playfully turns down her hat and says, "See you at work tomorrow." Yeah. Um, yeah, the rat continues to be a problem. Um, I think at one point it like it crawls under his sheets. Yeah. And at this point, it's like because we've seen it crawl down the uh, the toilet tube. Yeah. The, the toilet tube. I keep on calling it uh, the toilet pipe. <laughs> drain um yeah and it's it's small enough to do that but when by the time it's on his bed it's gigantic mm-hmm. oh we've also forgotten the fact that he finds the rat tunnel <laughs> he finds the brood oh uh, right so he goes down to the basement and like because like the hardware he actually tells him like it's worse if you have a female because they'll breed and so he goes down and like uh, his neighbor says like oh did you check the boiler room and he's like no i didn't check it i didn't think to and then his neighbor's like that's probably where they're at so he goes into the boy room and he finds these little rats that are just little pink rats, little, baby, little pink little rats, yeah, little things that should not exist. And um, he like picks it up, and this is when the rat first attacks him directly, and then he drops them, and all the baby rats fall down the sewer. They're gone, I, allegedly. And so it's at this point that the rat goes from just playfully messing with them to just full out antagonist. Yeah, it's, it's ag- personal, yeah, for this rat. Yeah, exactly. Like. It became like like half of his torso is like scratched to bits. Uh, yeah. At this point. Yeah, 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 yeah. The rat goes nuts and attacks him, and so he's also got a little uh, miniature version of his house down there. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if that came with the house or not. And he actually puts a rat trap in there, and every now and then we think like, oh, is the rat living in this little house? Just like with a little mini newspaper, just yeah. kind of. <laughs> it comes back from a long day of just torturing Peter Weller, just to, like read the paper and have a cup just of coffee. Just a personal home for the rat. <laughs> yeah. Um. 
so there's more hijinks where like he tries different things like he tries traps he tries poison he uh finds a cat a stray cat yes and, he does and he picks it up he calls it putty yeah he's like oh putty tat and he brings him in and like he feeds this cat oysters which you know he's treating the cat well and he thinks like you know what this is what you get a, a cat for to take care of the rodent problem it takes him a while to get to the oyster point though yeah because he's like, like you want some lemon would you <laughs> Like, you want cucumber, on, banana. I got some ketchup here. Would you if like you, some ketchup? If you've had a cat, you it's like, come on, dude, you should know this. Yeah, you have for tuna fish or cat food or. Oh, there's there's a few times, and I, these are kind of scattered throughout the movies mm-hmm. where he'll like go to his cupboards and like they're just destroyed from the rat, and it's just yeah. raining grains and flour on him. Yeah, yeah, the rat just does not care. Like it goes it's through. A pretty well fed stray cat too. Yeah, 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 yeah. It looks looks healthy. Mm-hmm. It's a good looking cat. Looks like a looks like a female. Um, who are better better hunters, better mousers. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, but unfortunately, the rat kills the cat. And like immediately. The cat is dead the next day. Yeah, and so that's when he finally gets through to an exterminator and he basically says, look, I'm not dealing with a regular rat here. I killed my cat. The blood's like dripping into his milk, I think. Oh, yeah, when he goes yeah, to he get a cup. He finds the mutilated body of this cat. Up the, on the top rat of the fridge. fridge. Yeah. yeah. Not effing around. Anymore. No. And so he leaves uh, underneath the, he basically has a turntable, and underneath the uh, dust cover of the turntable, he leaves a check, and he says, like, the key will be under the mattress. Come inside, the the check will be under here. And he goes to work, comes home, sees the check is gone, he's like, ah, oh, the mouse is gone. And then he looks over to his baby grand piano, and um, the keys start to move, and he realizes the rat's inside. And he's like, where did the check, like, I gave you the check, and then... The mouse is still there, and so he calls him, and he actually starts yelling at the exterminator, like, listen, I gave you money, and it's still in my house, and the guy's yelling about, like, what do you mean money, blah, 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 and he looks down and sees the, the rat. The ripped up check, yeah. The rat stole the check out from, un- somehow got underneath the dust cover for the turntable, stole the check, and tore it to shreds. Tore it to shred, but enough, enough. that he would find it and yeah. know. Yeah, and so now the exterminator is pissed at him. Now he's got nothing to do, so he starts like he's got nowhere else to turn. So this is when things really start to go down. Because there's only one exterminator in New York City. Apparently. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're all busy. And <laughs> yeah. It's like 35 years before he transfers. Fair, fair. Exactly. Yeah. So it uh, it basically becomes his now life's obsession. Like it overtakes work to the point where his boss is kind of like he, well, sho- he shows up uh, like just wearing like a bomber jacket and looking haggard as all hell. Mm-hmm. And his boss is like, you can't let the staff see you like this. And he basically says, like, yeah, take care of something at home, but I'm going to go and take care of it, and then uh, you'll get your work. He does, to his credit, mm-hmm. still uh, till balls out, just like, listen, uh, I'm going to take uh, two weeks to do this, maybe, because yeah. that's uh, that's how I operate. Mm-hmm. i got to handle this thing at home, and then I'll get to your work. Yeah, and if you want to give it to the other guy, that's your choice. <laughs> but uh, clearly his boss, uh, Elliot is his name, with one L and one T. Like T.S. Elliot. Yeah. He uh, he's like, you know what? I have some faith in Peter Weller, so uh, we'll give him an extra two weeks to get this done. And Jennifer, Jennifer Dale, who came into his house, snuck into his house one night, um, and he's like gone full commando at this point. Where well, that's a, she comes over yeah. to tell him that oh, uh, the boss said it's okay. Two weeks she more. She comes over twice. I forgot the first time isn't when she comes over, but the first uh, when to tell him that like she's checking up on him because she goes and she gets finds the key to his house in his in his desk office goes to his house and comes and doesn't say anything, takes her shoes off and walks through the house like in her stocking feet. Almost steps in so many rat traps. Yeah, so many like... And she's walking into the basement. It's like, oh God, the rat's gonna... Yeah, and she goes downstairs and then the light clicks off and she goes and looks and Peter Weller is crouched down dressed all in black with a black toque and a baseball bat just being like, I think you should go. <laughs> he's got to join the darkness, as you said. He's yeah, gotta... yeah, he's he's become he's he's embraced the darkness to take care of this rat, and it, he's just lost his mind. And then the second time she comes back after Elliot has given him the two week extension on his work, uh, she like can't get in, so she's like knock banging on the door and screaming out like, "It's okay, we have an extra two weeks." Just... And you just hear him yell out from like far away, "Leave me alone!" He's <laughs> just yelling out the top window. Wait, like... he says, "Leave us alone." Leave us him alone. and the rat. Yeah. yeah. So Phil, where do we go from there? Oh God, where, where do we go from there? I think uh, Louis, this is when he's like uh, Louis Del Grand comes in to check up on him, right? Yeah, and this is when he's building the the he's bat building of death. The, the the medieval uh, spiked effing bat uh, with uh, the the nails and like bits of miniature bear trap. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's also full on wearing uh, just cleats and shin guards all the time now. Yeah, that's a, he shows up to work wearing those, and his mm-hmm. boss's like, "You can't, uh, we, what are you the doing? staff cannot see you yeah. like this." 
Uh, he switches to, he's got this like leather vest jacket that he's wearing now. And he's, mm-hmm. he's constructing this spiked bat, as Phil was describing with the. He's gone full Mad traps. Max. Pretty much. He really has. Yeah. And so from there, now it's like, it's on. It's wartime. Yeah, this is climax time. This is mm-hmm. uh, Mir the Rat, uh, who who uh, who's going to be the last standing. Mm hmm. And he just doesn't care about his house anymore. He starts just destroying everything he can. He smashes, because the rat gets in the ceiling. Like, he, to avoid the rat sneaking into his bed while he's sleeping, he, and the rat also has, like, torn up his work for work. Yeah, yeah. like, he has, like, a real high-strung hammock, like, right above his bed. And, mm-hmm. and the rat can't get at him, so the rat, like, pokes a hole in the ceiling to look down <laughs> at him. <laughs> yeah. It, this hammock is worthless. Yeah. <laughs> and also, I, it, again, I, uh, I just want to, this is a dog-sized rat. Yeah. Well, at least a big cat size. Yeah, rat. yeah, yeah. It is gigantic. Yeah, I hate rats. I just hate... Ugh. There are moments in this film where I just, like, shuddered because I can't stand those little bastards. Um, so he just goes on the warpath, and uh, it starts in the basement of the boiler room where he, like, smashes some pipes, and, like, water starts flowing freely. He goes through his house just smashing the walls, like, forcing he the rat... He destroys all the plumbing in his house. Yeah, he basically is just like, it's on. Like, I have to kill this rat before my family comes back. Because And, and Graham pointed out, it was like, why didn't he turn off the water? Yeah, <laughs> he, he would have thought to do that. Because I've had to do that when my apartment's flooded a couple times. But, uh, well, I we, guess it's just, you know, like he's just in full kill mode. So, yeah, like, he's, know, he's focused. Yeah. yeah, the one thing we forgot, though, is we forgot the dream sequence. Oh, there's oh, a few yeah. of those. Yeah, there's, there's a couple. A real iconic dream sequence, especially the second one. Uh, yeah. So there's one, he's uh, he's in the bathtub. Oh, it's a, oh we forgot... So he goes down right. and he's searching for this rat and he's feeling around in that uh, little model house. Yeah. And he's forgotten that he put a rat trap in there. Mm-hmm. And guess what happens to And the rat his... moved the rat trap. Yeah, it did. And guess what happens to his hand? It gets caught in this rat trap and it oh, messes up man. his hand. It is a He's he's mixing uh substances like he's mixing hydrogen peroxide. He's mixing some other substances. He's dipping his hand in hot water and he's like passed out mm-hmm. in the bathtub and he's uh He's using his pain with his bottle of Jane B. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. He's always drinking that bottle of Jane B. Yeah, he likes Jane B. And uh, so he passes out and he wakes up to find that, like, oh, his, his family's come home. His wife's come home. It's a scalding hot bath. <laughs> yeah. His wife's come home. His son is there. And so his son is downstairs. And, like, much like in the morning of the, at the start of the film, oh, where. Is this because there was a birthday scene beforehand? Oh, so I forgot, forgot about, about that. Yeah. Scene. Sorry. The birthday uh, dream sequence. What happens there? Well, that's a little earlier. I guess he's. I think he's in his hammock. I uh, mm-hmm. just uh, his his son's having a birthday. This seems like I I thought he was having a just remembering things. Yeah, yeah, well, like the son like mixing rat poison with like the sugar. And- well, that's, that's, that's later. That's the I'm talking one. about the uh, oh, where the, 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 rat the birthday cake and it's like blow the candles and then the rat just comes right out of the center of the birthday yeah, cake. Exactly. And yeah. a little uh, scare scene. Yeah. And then the second time is when uh, yeah, mm-hmm. Phil- yeah, Shannon Tweet has like a great scream reaction in this dream sequence. Yeah, and so the second time is when the families come home. We should point out that both of these dream sequences, you don't know their dream sequences until they end, which is well, kind of good. The birthday one, it was like that's this has got to be a memory because it doesn't yeah. make sense that there's suddenly a birthday. Yeah. But with the other one, you're like, oh, the family's home. Mm-hmm. And um, the like, husband and wife immediately start mm-hmm. getting down. Yeah, because he's just worn yeah, down. Yeah, it's, needs it's her. super salacious, you know, because Shane Tweed and uh, it's not that there, salacious. There's Come a lot like of it. tongue in this. Really, scene. in in compared it, to like the movies bra. we've watched. Yeah. Anyways, there's some. Like, there's every scene that Shane Tweed's in. You know, like the first scene she's in, she's in the shower. The second scene she's in, she's like by the pool. She's wearing like a real like very low cut uh, bathing suit. You cast Shannon Tweed in a movie. Yeah, you, that's what you cast. She her, you know. she's gonna be showing yeah. stuff, um, showing her assets. Um, yes. So anyways, and, oh, but then the boy is downstairs and, and he's he starts, doing the same thing with the cereal that we saw him doing. Yeah, the but he's doing scene. it with rat poison. But he's like, he's first he gets the half and half milk and he puts that in a cereal. But then he gets the rat poison. And he puts that in a cereal. Mm-hmm. And then he's just like drinking the bowl and of rat poison. You think this is real? So you're like, oh god, yeah. what a this is a horrible tragedy. And then tragedy. the rat drops down, drops down into the back of Shannon Tweed and starts ripping at her back and she screams and then it, it's revealed. Oh, it's a dream sequence. Just imagine how miserable this movie would have gotten immediately. Yeah. If the boy had died from rat poisoning. <laughs> oh, it'd be just depressing. <laughs> 
It's it's unrelenting enough that you could definitely wouldn't put it past the filmmakers to do that. <laughs> yeah, that's when Peter Weller would have bought a gun and just mm-hmm. start firing into the, <laughs> into walls. the hole, hole. <laughs> or just abandon the house and burn it down. So, anyways, he's we're back to the the man versus rat big fight, and he, he does actually use a lot of candles uh, in this yeah. movie, which seems ill advised. Uh, yeah, it seems very. Yeah, you're definitely expecting like a big house fire, and it's of all it, the candles yeah, and it's not a contemporary minimalist house where there's nothing around. Like there's books, there's records, there's paperwork, there's stuff there's i guess carpet. this rat is like that would just i that would screw me too I'm yeah gonna... yeah the rat's not gonna do that because as we learn like the rat's a survivor it like it's super yeah. intelligent rat exactly so he smashes it and eventually like slow burn trolling that, that this rat is doing mm-hmm. it's owning him so hard yeah it, it keeps on doing these things like where he'll he, he hears it over here and he'll he'll go and investigate and then it smashes a vase downstairs and yeah. it's like you little bastard yeah so he drives the rat he basically like smashes the rat like he has no it's cutting qualms. through wires so it, yeah. like he can't it nobody can power. phone him yeah because it cut his phone lines <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a darn the smart rat. The boss is trying to get through, and the boss is going can't get a hold. And so at this point, <clears throat> at this he, point, he manages not to kill um, Scanner Man. Uh, Louis. Oh, Louis Delgrand. Yeah, because Louis Delgrand comes in when he's like doing. It. We're all just like, dude, say hello, say something. Because if you're sneaking in behind a guy who's been terrorized by a rat for two weeks and is busy constructing his rat death bat, and you just come up behind him and tap him on the shoulder, you're getting you're getting it upside the head. But he just the, it's a really funny scene because. Like Peter Weller just like kind of like takes it out after it's been fully constructed, and Louis Del Grand looks at it, and he looks at Peter Weller, and he just kind of nods and walks out the door. Like you got this, clearly. <laughs> Imagine your neighbor did mm-hmm. that. Yeah, you're just like, yeah. like uh, you're not allowed in here. All right, cool. Um, and so he brings drives the rat back downstairs into the boiler room, and the rat goes into the house. And now the tables have turned because the rat is hiding in this house, and he is smashing through the walls to get at this rat. Yeah, the, the rat is fully scared at this point. Yeah, it's like all right. He's like, oh, I've, I've, I've like created my own monster now, my own doing, an undoing, and it does, it does get a few more good bites on him. Yeah, like it jumps on him. It, it, it tries his, to get his face, his legs, his arms, his back, his chest. You get, get those all gruesome. Every time the rat jumps on somebody, you get those gruesome close-ups of its face, just like yeah, and teeth and its claws. Yes, it's weird flesh-toned skin, just with its. Ugh, it's gross. Uh, so Peter Weller like just bashes the rat to death drops it and it's great and we were all screaming because it's like buddy is this yeah. your first horror film you've got to make sure that rat's dead yeah yeah but uh but you know but what? i guess he got you guys did enough close-up shots to warrant that you know like yeah. there were flush wounds in the neck area yeah yeah so he goes upstairs just to see as his family are coming home and he's so happy to see them and like they're kind of just like hey why what's with the outfit and he's like oh you know it's like, oh, well, we got to get our bags. Fuck the bags. Yeah. <laughs> and then the credits roll. Now, so he goes inside. So they go inside and like you figure Shannon Tweed's going to be like, what happened? And she literally says like, what happened to our house? And his response was, I had a party. And that's yeah, credits. credits Classic. Great, great Canadian rat film. Love it to death. It's so good. Um. Yeah, I'm guessing this was better for you on second watch. I liked it on the first watch too. Yeah. I liked it on the second one. Like I just, and the thing is, like Deadly Eyes, I've seen more recent because initially I said like I like Deadly Eyes, but I actually don't think they're they're not really comparable because they're two no, different sure, types of rat yeah, movies. Totally. Like, like this is a very much one man versus one rat, yeah. whereas Deadly Eyes is rats versus Toronto. Oh, rats versus yeah. Toronto. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, or Daxons as rats. Yeah. There still hasn't been a good raccoon like horror movie of like because like raccoons are assholes and they have opposable thumbs and they are they're, they're, they're vicious evolved beings yeah. yeah they're terrible things and they like run rampant all over toronto they sound terrifying when they're fighting each other and yeah. stuff or fighting a cat or you know mother raccoons protecting their brood yeah all right so of course we, we do have rats in the city and i know this because i have killed a rat yes you did uh yes you valiantly Va- defended valiantly. the city of toronto by stepping on a rat by accident. It was actually horrifying. It was a, yeah. it was a rainy night, um, mm-hmm. and I was walking. It was near Bloor and Dufferin. I was walking uh, west along Bloor, uh, right near Three Speed, and I had my mm-hmm. headphones in and whatever, and it's uh, it's kind of drizzling down, um, and I uh, stepped on what I figured was just some road garbage, just some sidewalk garbage, because yeah. I stepped on something soft all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. It was just like, oh, because there was a, a lamp post there, and I yeah. figured some, some garbage was piled up, and I figured some had just rolled away. Mm-hmm. And I looked back, and there is a giant rat. It was bigger than I was expecting. And it was mm-hmm. like, I don't know uh, how big they get in New York. But this was a pretty big rat. Um, and I had clearly just stepped on it because it was in severe pain. It was just writhing around in the in the rainy sidewalk and just 
flopping and flopping and mm-hmm. and i said uh just out loud just to no one in particular like oh my god holy f- what the hell <laughs> but i couldn't do any i wasn't gonna kill the rat further i'm not <laughs> he that just strong. turned around and walked let it yeah, die yeah i just kind of looked at it in horror as it continued to flop around and then i was like i i gotta go mm-hmm. um and then I it was confirmed later uh, that the rat, there was a dead rat on the sidewalk. So it was like, oh, that must be the same rat. So, you, so it wasn't too prolonged a death, I guess. I hope not. <laughs> for one day and one night, it struggled for life. And it oh, just died was... thinking that Christopher Lewis stepped on me. Awful. It was an awful yeah. feeling. Uh, so, Phil, what are your final thoughts on of Unknown Origin, which was your pick and you had never it, seen it before? Yeah, I'd never seen it before. No, this was a blast. Uh, John Water did not lead me astray. Uh, it's a lot of fun to watch it's uh, it really gets to the heart of just how unnerving rats are and just like you really convey the it really conveys the anguish that uh, peter weller's character goes through mm-hmm. and uh it's i i really appreciated the as silly as the movie was it's so economical in its execution that mm-hmm. uh I, I really appreciated that. It was just really fun to watch. It was like unnerving, but campy, but cool. I had a good time. Excellent. Kit, what are your final thoughts on of unknown origin? I, I also enjoyed it. It's, it's amazing that you can take a simple, um, a simple enough premise. Like there's a really annoying rat in this mat in this man's house and he's having a hard time getting rid of it. And that's the entire movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but it works. It's pretty good. You get some pretty uh, scary scenes. Like, well, not scary, but like when Jennifer Dale goes in and you're like, that rat's just going to attack her. It's going to like bite her face off. You keep on expecting this rat to just do the worst possible thing. Uh, and you do feel like you're worried about like his family coming home and the rat just still being there and wreaking havoc. This little jerk bastard little rat. <laughs> it's beady little eyes. It's so visceral. It's like, oh little yellow mm. teeth and its little pink hands with its claws and yeah. that tail i don't wish it will on animals but it's still kind of like hey why yeah just drop a pack of cats yeah. on them has it ever occurred to you by the way that squirrels mm. are just uh rats with fluffy tails i mean that's what christoph waltz said uh, i'd argue no because squirrels they have nicer fur. They don't get they, but they also like their head shape is different. They don't. They, they, they don't also, go into people's houses. They don't go into people's houses. They might. They live in the tree. They're happy. They there. ruin your garden, but still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and for my final thoughts, I really like this film. I forgot to mention earlier, this film is inc- very, very well directed. I really noticed, like especially in the early scenes, like Some pretty good shots. Too. Yeah, the, the the early scenes where it's people talking, like they tend to be like one shot for the scene, and it's not like a fancy one or like oh the camera's gonna go here, but it's like proper filmmaking where. It's which, not showy, yeah. Which, which you don't get anymore because everyone has to like cut to the close-up of who's talking. But like people, the actors move within the frame and they find their spots. And like sudden, someone who's uh, not in a close-up can walk into a close-up. Somebody can cross can cross the the room and it becomes a different shot. And it's just really you gotta good. Pull focus on those. I know, ones, but I guess they don't do that so much. No, anymore. well, I mean, the problem is in the 1990s, a lot of people started shooting movies for uh, television, so that's why that was like. Every dialogue scene is close-up, cut to another close-up, whereas before, close-ups were only for very important scenes and not for... There's no Bohemian Rhapsody one for best editing a couple years back, Ugh. and you look at that movie, and it's just cut, 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 cut. It would give you a yeah. seizure. Yeah, even the editor of that movie is kind of like, why did I win this award? <laughs> he actually said, he's like, I know, I've seen that scene too. I edited it. Like... There are late mm-hmm. '60s movies with quick cuts, and you know, I re- recently rewatched Beyond the Valley of the Dolls, but yeah. there's like a, a real like mm-hmm. craft to the quick edits. Well, that was yeah, that, that was Russ Meyer's thing. Like he, yeah. he because he was a war like uh, photographer, like well, videographer, not even not, not even videographer because it was film. There is a point to cuts. Like yeah. when I was watching 1917, for example, mm-hmm. which is you know it's very showy in the way that it does the the two. Yeah, uh, it's supposed to be two, I guess long takes mm-hmm. which cheats a bunch of times yeah um and uh, uh roger, roger deakins fantastic cinematography by him in that movie mm-hmm. um but there are some like for the action scenes this largely works i say when they're doing the action it's pretty neat it's yeah. very showy but it's still kind of neat it's almost like a like a theme park ride but when you get to the scenes when they're in the tents and they have to do the talking and it's like i just give me some cuts Let's, yeah some some cuts. There is a point to it. And like this film does get into cuts when, when it needs to. But yeah. when it doesn't need to, it doesn't. And that's what's good about it. That's what films used to be. Yeah. Damn it. 
Um, so I'm guessing Stallone was watching this like, I need this guy to direct Rambo First Blood Part 2. Yeah, wasn't but wasn't that like a, I'll put you on set and call you the director, but I'm really directing this myself sort of situation? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, which I think also happened with Cobra and Tombstone. Yeah. But you know what? I don't care. Cosmatis was a good director. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm glad he got some paychecks. Um, and his son grew up to be a good director, yeah, too. Yeah, Panos Cosmatis. Great, great director. Um, so with that being said, this has been episode 99. 99! Uh, our 100th episode, even though we've actually released more than 100 episodes, but this is our 100th canological... Con, 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 what's the term? Canonical. Canonical, canonical. episode. Canonical. Yes. Uh, I, I, what it was your phrase? Uh, canological? Canological. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, canonical. Uh, it'll be our 100th canonical episode, and uh, we will be doing a very a film that's very near and dear to my heart and Phil's heart. And I think you've seen it too. You've seen Rebuild Man, right? Uh, oh, uh, it's not Clifford. Okay. No. <laughs> <sighs> Never again. <laughs> I have seen Repo Man, yes. Probably in my apartment. Yes, I think yeah. so. I need to rewatch it though because yes. I didn't really like. I I still don't get that was uh, at a big party. deal about Repo yeah. uh, Man, but I was only half paying attention. Because... Yeah, it was a party. Yeah, you need to watch it quietly and let it absorb. Yeah, you'll find something new every time you watch Repo Man. Yeah, I've, people love I've it. Watched that movie dozens of times. And I find something new literally every time I watch. Yeah, it. there's so much great stuff to it. So yes, yeah, so we'll be back with episode 100 on Repo Man. Uh, I still have to start working on that new theme for the new for the 100th episode and then we'll go from there. Get some Harry Dean Stanton action in here. Oh yeah. Alright, so for Death by Video. I've been Phil. I've been Kit. And I've been Graham saying keep watching amazing movies. Thank you so much for listening. Good night.